the first scheduled off day. There was another off day thanks to a uh, postponement, but these first scheduled off day and things are kind of just moving along the way they're supposed to move in a baseball season. It's kind of odd how you think about where we were a month and a half ago, not really knowing if and when the baseball season was going to get started. They were able to roll through spring training. They were able to get the season started, and here we are. It's almost like the lockout never even happened. Scott Wars, the last time we uh, had a long conversation, asked me about if I thought there was going to be any fan impact, residual impact from the uh, lockout and whether fans would stay away or anything like that. And, and I didn't think there would be. I thought it would just feel normal. And indeed, it does feel somewhat normal. The only thing that's going to change, uh, they're going to play this Monday a game against San Francisco. That's a game that's being uh, placed into that slot because it was missed during that uh, first week or so of the season that was delayed. They're going to play a doubleheader later in the year against San Francisco, and they have to make up one other series. But outside of that, Everything feels kind of normal, and that's a very, very good thing. If you want to join the program, you can do so by calling or texting the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. You can also tweet into the program if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Coming up on the program today, we're going to get into who this team is offensively right now and try to figure out who they are going to be offensively uh, moving forward. Because at times it's looked really good. At times it hasn't looked good. Uh, They just went and scored at least four runs in all three games uh, in the series against the Pirates. They've scored at least four runs in four straight games. But again, that was the Pirates, right? The Pirates are not a good team. Pirates are a bad team, a really bad team. And you just don't know what to make of that. When they've been playing some better teams, they have not scored uh, as many runs. When you look at all of their losses, except for their first loss this season, in their four other losses, they have scored either one or, or zero runs. Haven't scored at all in, in, in two of those games, and then one run in two of the other games. So it's really hard at this point in the season to figure out who a team is, but we are going to do our best trying to figure just that out. Uh, also coming up uh, later on, we'll talk about Devin Williams. We'll talk about the baseball. Is it deadened? You know, they the ball was juiced a few years ago, and the ball's just not flying so far this year. And I know some people are going to go and say, well, it has to do with the weather. There's there's some statistical evidence that shows that the baseball has once been once again been changed, and that's why the ball's maybe not flying as much. We're going to dig in on that a little bit later on, and uh, we're going to have some fun at the bottom of the hour, around uh, 8.30 or so. There is a satire sports website out there, and it's gotten some people to think some stories are real that are not real. Um and it's it's kind of fun to hear how these uh, how these mistakes have been made. So we'll feature that coming up at the bottom of the hour. Again, if you want to join us, you can do so by calling or texting into the Accurate Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. We'll get into the offensive numbers and what we take away from them. We'll do that next. This is Brewers Weekly. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. Brewers get back at it tomorrow evening. They open up 
Uh, the quick three-game road trip in Philadelphia. They are going to play uh, against the Phillies tomorrow night with Freddie Peralta on the mound. 6.05 first pitch tomorrow. Just a reminder, you can hear that game on 94.5 ESPN. We're going to have the Bucks here on WTMJ. So if you're ever looking for the Brewers, you tune into WTMJ, you hear the Bucks, you just head over to the FM dial and go to 94.5 ESPN, and boom, you'll hear the Brewers right there. So uh, real quick, just a, a Major League Baseball thing to mention a big milestone coming up Miguel Cabrera is sitting on 2,999 hits the Tigers played the Yankees earlier today he comes up to the plate late in the game what do the Yankees do they intentionally walk him He's sitting on 2,999 hits, and he gets intentionally walked. I'm not a big unwritten rules of baseball guy, but man, there was a lot of people there who wanted to see hit number 3,000. He doesn't get it. First time in the history of baseball that a player has ever been intentionally walked when they were sitting on a career total of 2,999 hits. Hank Aaron and Dave Winfield each drew an intentional walk in the game where they got 3,000, but it was after they'd gotten the milestone. So they were already sitting on 3,000 by the time they got there. So... uh, and, and now the Tigers are going to match up against the Colorado Rockies. The Rockies have a fairly short history, yet they have uh, given up the 3,000th hit in the careers of uh, Craig Biggio and also uh, Ichiro. So uh, they, this is an organization of the Rockies that has gotten very good at giving up the 3,000th hit to a player, and it is likely that they will give up the 3,000th hit to uh, Miguel Cabrera this weekend. So just something to uh, keep uh, your eye on as there's going to be another big, uh, big milestone coming up for Miggy. All right, so the Brewers' numbers. As a team, they are hitting 208. Not good, right? Not good. They have a 639 OPS as a team. Also not good. Some of those numbers are being slanted, skewed by the fact that they have had some pretty tough offensive performances. I mentioned in the first segment. When you look at what they have done this year in terms of what they've done in their losses. So they sit with a record right now of 8-5. and five. In four of those five losses, they have scored either one or no runs whatsoever. Their losses have been by a score of 9-0, 2-0, 10-1, 2-1. Their wins, for the most part, they're scoring at least five runs in their wins. They've won games 5-4, 5-4, 4-2, 5-1, 6-5, 6-1, 5-2, and 4-2. So at least four runs in all of their wins and five or more in all but two of their wins. What that is, like that's that's the early part of the baseball season, right? Like we're, We can sit here and try to make as much of this as we want to try to make of it. It doesn't mean anything yet. I've used this term before, and some people laugh at it and kind of like it, being retroactively worried about something. Because if they are going to have a tough offensive season, if they are going to be an offensively challenged club, nothing that they're doing right now is proof that they are going to be an offensively challenged club. Now, if we get into June, you know, Scott Warris asked me when we had our chat before the game got started when I actually kind of start paying attention where I look at the numbers, I look at the stats, and I say, okay, this is legitimate, this is real, 
at what point do I really start doing that just all the way across the board? And I mentioned Flag Day, and that's not an original thought by me. A lot of people talk about uh, talk about Flag Day. I've heard that for years and years and years. That's June 14th. I just I don't think the first two months of the season mean that much. That's why it was so frustrating in the COVID year when the regular season was 60 games. 60 games. Like that, that was nothing. That was absolutely nothing. And now they mitigated against a slow start being a slow season by having as many postseason teams as they had in there that year. And that, that was the right thing to do. It was a good decision by Major League Baseball. But as somebody who is very much a purist when it comes to the game. And I, I love the length of the season. A lot of people want to shorten the baseball season. I'm not one of those people. I think one of the things about baseball is you not only do you have to be a talented team, you have to be a team that can hold up to the grind of a 162-game season. It's not a shocker that every year, come the All-Star break, there are a bunch of teams that are performing at a much higher level than anybody expected them to perform. And all of a sudden, the All-Star break wraps up. We get into the dog days of summer in July and August, and those teams start to really fall away. You look at some of the division leaders right now in baseball. Anybody think the Cleveland Guardians are actually going to win the AL Central? I don't. Um, Does anybody think that... Let's see. Does anybody think now they're not the first place team because the Rockies or the Dodgers have been so good? But does anybody think that the the Rockies are going to win anywhere near what they're winning right now? They're eight and four to start the season. No, like even a team like the Angels, and I, I think the Angels could be a playoff team this year, but they're playing a little bit above their skis. I just, other than the Houston Astros, I mean, I look at the AL West. I think that's the worst division in baseball this year. Uh, the Angels are okay. The Astros are good. I know people are on the Mariners bandwagon. I'm not there quite yet. Oakland's really bad, and the Texas Rangers are uh, in the conversation for worst team in baseball this year. There's a lot of really bad teams, though, this year. You look at the the Rangers are bad. The A's are bad. The Reds, oh my gosh, are the Reds bad. The Reds have lost nine in a row just after part of their ownership group, the son of their owner, uh, on their opening day was basically asked uh, on a a media interview, was basically asked, uh, what do you tell the fans who are going to you know to, to give them hope about who you're going to be because this is after the Reds had one of the worst off seasons in all Major League Baseball, and, and the dude was like, "Well, where else are they going to go?" Like just almost challenging the Reds fans to go find another team, and then it came off really bad. So he was given another opportunity, a second interview. He was given another opportunity to kind of walk back that statement, what did he do? Completely doubled down on it. Just went all in on it. It is amazing sometimes to me how owners of professional sports teams can be so out of touch. And the Reds are a really good example of that. So that's a, the, uh, that's a long diatribe about why the first two months of the season really, really don't matter. But uh, For the Brewers, I think they're going to be a fine offensive club, but I'm not 100% sure. And really, I look at some of the individual performances, and I think there's some reasons to be excited about some things we're seeing right now. Uh, Namely, what we've seen from Christian Yelich. It's not all the way there yet, and his, his average isn't there. His average is not there. I understand that. He's not even hitting 200. 
Uh, but we saw the grand slam from him. We're seeing him get on base. Uh, he needs there, there needs to be more extra base hits. But he's got four doubles. He's got four doubles. He has eight hits, and four of them are doubles. So more than half of his hits have gone for extra bases. Four doubles and one home run. Is there room for improvement? Yes. Can Christian Yelich go through the season hitting 195 and this team be where it wants to be? No, I don't think I don't think they can. But again, the whole small sample size thing, you try to look for signs. And when it comes to Yelich, driving the ball, getting it down in the gaps, getting it down the lines, getting extra bases, those are the things I'm worried about. I'm not overly worried about the batting average right now. I'm worried about whether or not he is driving the ball. And he is doing a better job right now than he has done for the better part over the last two years. You know, we saw Keston Hira hit a home run uh, in the series finale against the Pirates. That's really important for him. And that's one of my biggest questions about this team offensively. Do they even give Hira the opportunity to really be who he can be this year, considering the number of at-bats that he may or may not get? I think it's a really interesting thing because for me, Hira's got to get consistent at-bats. He's got to be seeing live pitching as much as possible. And the way this team is built, with Andrew McCutcheon almost being an everyday DH, there's just not a whole lot of opportunity. Now, the opportunity is going to come. Things are going to happen. But there's also at some point going to be um, th- there's going to be a, a return of Luis Urias, and that's going to move some things around as well. So it's a really the grade I give on this team offensively is incomplete because we're two weeks into the season. Every team has an incomplete right now. Every, every, every team. Um, but there, there are some good signs. There's also some not-so-good signs to it. Like, I'm not just trying to paint this rosy picture that everything is going well. I, I mentioned Christian Yelich's average. Colton Wong hasn't started hitting yet. Uh, it was good to see Hunter Renfro get his first home run, but he hasn't gotten going yet. I mean, up and down. Willie Adamas is hitting 167. If we want to do it, we can, we can go up and down. I mean, the guys who have been pretty darn good this season. Andrew McCutcheon, uh, he's hitting 250. He's had some impactful hits. He's been able to drive in some runs. And then the offensive MVP, I don't even think it's a... I don't even know who else you would say at this point other than Rowdy Telez. Telez is hitting 270. He's got uh, the three home runs. He's got the eight RBIs. His 920 OPS uh, is best on the team among players who have played uh, at least half of the team's games. Victor Caratini, having played in six games, has a slightly better OPS at 922. But Telez being an everyday guy at first base, he has been clearly the best offensive player. Omar Nevarez had an okay start to the season, 269 hitter, OPS at 790. But Rowdy Telez has been the guy. Without a doubt, Rowdy Telez has been the offensive MVP to start this season. 855-616-1620, that's the Yankee Net Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Doug texting in says, I wouldn't be that concerned about the hitting, but it's not just one or two guys. It's a lot. Yeah, that's what I was just saying. Never thought I'd say this, but without Rowdy, Rowdy Telez, they'd, they'd barely be 5-8. and eight. Pitching is saving the day again. Yeah, I mean, you kind of, I know you sent that text before I said what I just said, but uh, I didn't see it. And yeah, we, we basically just said the exact same thing, right? Rowdy Telez has been... 
the guy, and it is once again the pitching just really doing outstanding things for this team. We saw Brandon Woodruff was spectacular yesterday. Corbin Burns looks like a just a repeat version of who he was last year. It's been really, really good from a pitching pr uh, perspective. What hasn't been quite as good from a pitching perspective, Devin Williams. We'll get into his numbers a little bit. We'll do that next. This is Brewers Weekly. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. When talking about statistics, I always like to quote Jay-Z. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. And the numbers on Devin Williams right now, not good. 8.31 ERA in six games, four and a third innings. He's given up four runs on six hits, 10 strikeouts. The 10 strikeouts is good, but then seven walks, uh, which is not good. And hitters are hitting 316 against him. I feel like these numbers could be better. And I've been uncomfortable a couple times this year when he's been used. Uh, he clearly was not right in his second game of the season. If you go back to, uh, it, was his, uh, it was the game against Baltimore. And that was the game where he loaded the bases and with no outs, and then he got out of it. He was able to get out of it with three strikeouts. He issued two walks, boom, just turned it. Chris Hook went out, talked to him, went back to the dugout, and all of a sudden Devin Williams was reliever of the year Devin Williams again. So then he's used the next day. And when he was used the next day, I felt really uncomfortable in that moment because we're still early on in the season. I think you got to be careful with anybody when using them in back-to-back -back days in the first month of the season or so, especially coming off the shortened spring training. He's used that next day. And not all pitches are created equal. That was a really stressful day for him uh, with a lot of just high-stress pitches. And then he's used the next day, and I was really feeling uncomfortable about, about it. And that was that game against Baltimore where he only got one out, giving up two runs on two hits. Then his next time out against St. Louis was not good. He only gets two outs, gives up two runs on two hits. Then he comes out again, and he uh, pitches in the second game of the Pirates series. Looks pretty good. Didn't strike any, has uh, one strikeout, excuse me. Had a couple ground outs, but it was just a nice, clean, conventional sort of inning. And you're feeling like, okay, this is an opportunity to take a step forward. And then what happens, he's used on a back-to-back -back day. Now look, Craig Council is one of the best managers in baseball, if not the best manager in baseball. He's intelligent. He has a great connection to his players. He knows when players feel good good and when they're ready and, and when they're not and everything and I'm not one to second guess too often but I, I didn't I at this point in the season again almost with anybody I'm a little bit uncomfortable when guys are get used back to back and one of the things I always say about Craig Council is I think maybe his greatest strength as a manager maybe if it's not his greatest it's one of his greatest strengths I think he's really good at putting players in position to succeed I think the organization is really good at putting players in position to exceed. They they analyze everything. They have data on everything. They know where to use players where they can be their best self. So when I when I saw Devin Williams get used in that first back-to-back -back after the really high-stress game, it made me uncomfortable. And then he had those back-to-back, -back, actually it was back-to-back-to-back, -back -back, not so good performances, although the first one was when he did work out of it. Uh, he comes back, he finally gets a, a really solid performance against Pittsburgh, and what happens, he's used that next day. And this is where, 
for me personally, I'm going, okay, are you putting him in the position to succeed? Because it feels like he's right there on the brink right now, Williams is, where you want to make sure he takes those steps forward and pitching him in a back-to-back situation, is that putting him in the best possible position to succeed? Now, all that being said... You got right now when it comes to anybody, it's not, it is about going out and performing, but it's also about going out and becoming eventually your best self. And if you're a relief pitcher, being able to pitch back to back days is something that you need to do. So it's not just about the results right now. There's a longer view to take on this. Uh, I would be curious. What what Williams' numbers would look like if he didn't have those two back-to-backs in there? And again, today is an off day. It's going to be really interesting to me to see what he's going to look like because he's been really good at times. He, he has not been really good at times. Uh, he had a slow start to the season last year. We kind of looked at that as maybe he had a shortened spring training last year because of the injury at the end of the season before. Just uh, They were really careful with him. This year was another shortened spring training. Obviously, uh, he had the situation last year with the hand uh, and punching the wall and breaking the hand, and he had to rehab that and everything. He's going to be fine. I just think it's an interesting thing right now to watch how he's being used. All right, we're going to uh, step away from the Brewers for a moment and uh, have some fun audio to play for you. It's always interesting when somebody gets tricked in a uh, in a way that eh, makes makes you look like you're not quite on it. Uh, we'll share some of that audio and what happened across uh, Major League Baseball and a couple media mistakes. We'll do that coming up in just a moment. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. So there's this satire website out there. Total satire, like a sports version of The Onion or The Babylon Bee. Total satire. They're not trying to trick anybody. Uh, It's just all in fun. It's called New York Porch Sports. And if you go to their Twitter page, which is NY Porch Sport, uh, where it says New York Porch, it has kind of the same color and the same font style as the New York Post. So if you're really not paying attention for a second, you might think you're reading something from the New York Post. But again, you click New York Porch Sports, and what are the first words that come up? It says baseball satire page. So they're really not trying to trick anybody out there. But sometimes, hey, we we all make mistakes sometimes. Sometimes people make mistakes and they don't click through and figure out uh, what's going on. And that would be the case of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim broadcast. So this satire site tweeted out the other night when Garrett Cole of the Yankees uh, could not pitch out of the second inning. He got pulled after an inning and two-thirds. This satire site tweeted out, Garrett Cole promised an underprivileged school he'd donate 600 MacBooks if he went over two innings tonight. The Yankees ace went an inning and two-thirds. So it was a joke. I'll be honest with you. When I first read that and didn't realize it was New York Ports, like it went through my head for a second. Is this real? This can't be real. And it wasn't real. So I at least clicked and realized that indeed this is not real. Some people who did not click through... This is the radio broadcast that evening. Uh, So they're they're just doing a scoreboard. They're just going around Major League Baseball, just giving the scores from all around baseball. And this night that Garrett Cole went just one and two-thirds innings, this is how it sounded on the radio broadcast of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. A corner. He went into the game. No wins, no losses. ERA 5.59 in his first two starts. And he had promised... 
to an underprivileged school in uh, New York before that ball game that he would donate 600 MacBooks if he went two innings or more tonight in that ball game. Certainly a nice gesture on his part. He ended up getting taken out of the game going an inning and two-thirds. Wow. And in an inning and two-thirds, he gave up one hit. He walked five, allowed two runs, and threw 68 pitches in an inning and two-thirds, and they took him out. Garrett Cole, I think he's probably still going to uh, oh, yeah. provide those I, MacBooks to those uh, <laughs> school children. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I would do it on the other end. Hey, if I didn't pitch two innings. Right. There's one that's chased and missed. That was a good fastball there, 99 miles. Oh, my gosh. So they, they, they bit. They bit hard on it. They didn't check. They didn't do anything. They just went all in on this being a true story, and they never – they never came back around and corrected themselves. They never ate a piece of humble pie and said that they got duped by a satire website. They just went through. Greg Giannotti hosted a morning show in New York, and he said that he listened to the entire broadcast to hear whether or not they ever came back around to correct their mistake, and they did not. Now, this is not the first time that this New York Porch Sports has tricked somebody. Uh, on March, and again, they're not trying to trick. That's the thing about this. They openly state that they are completely satire all the way around. If we go back about a month and a half, if we go to March 7th, they tweeted out something that said, Breaking news, Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association agree to ban on bunts in hopes of reaching younger audiences. So this is coming out of the, the, the labor and, and you know, all the negotiations are going on. So Again, they tweet this out on March 7th, just this satire thing about banning bunts to reach younger audiences. And what happens the next morning? This is on NBC. This is the Today Show. Big NBC national morning show. This is the Today Show the next morning. Now, what, you were telling us that they made a rule and about no bunting. No, no bunting. That's the only thing I could ever do in baseball. <laughs> bunting was my main move Do we get away grade. with bunting in an attempt to try and speed up the game and but try and appeal so to, to younger fans? So, yeah. Okay, we'll see. Okay. It's, a, different. it's a technique. It's a, it's a thing. It's a strategy. Yes. Dylan was a softball champ back in the day. Were you? Well, well, I was the slap bunter on the team, so I'm oh, upset to hear oh, that bunting is going away. I'm sad, too. It's a good thing that you discovered weather. <laughs> so that was on the Today Show. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Somebody, all you gotta do is click New York Porch Sports and you see baseball satire page. But the Angels radio broadcast and the Today Show both being duped, tricked uh, by this satire webpage, uh, which I think is uh, which is pretty funny. All right, uh, we'll shift gears, get back into uh, baseball. We knew that the baseball was going to be changed a little bit from the home run craziness of like 2019, but has it been changed even more, or is there something else going into the fact that the ball does not seem to be flying quite as far this year? We'll touch on that in just a moment. This is Brewers Weekly. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. I've been accused of being a conspiracy theorist. I don't think I am. I really don't think I am because I don't think most conspiracy theories are true. I think to be a true conspiracy theorist, 
you have to like embrace and really believe these conspiracy theories to be true. But here's where I land on things. I admit, and I, and I think, quite honestly, I think most people should have the attitude that I take. It is an attitude of open-mindedness. Some of these quote-unquote conspiracy theories, at least one of them has been true, and more than one of them has been true. So I always leave the door open for, I don't just, I don't just dismiss things out of hand. I leave the door open that maybe, just maybe, there is some truth that exists in said conspiracy theory. There is a conspiracy theory out there from a group of Major League Baseball players and former Major League Baseball players that Major League Baseball alters the ball on a year-to-year basis to better position themselves for the upcoming uh, free agency period. So if there's a year where there's going to be a lot of high-profile pitchers that are going to be free agents, they juice the ball so that running, you know, run totals will go up. If there's going to be a year where there's going to be a lot of home run hitters that are going to be free agents, well, they deaden the ball to be able to lower their market value. That just That's probably not true. Uh, But more importantly, it goes to show just how much distrust there is between players and owners, that there is a, a legitimate faction of Major League Baseball players who truly believe what I just said. And I'm not completely closing the door on it. I'm not saying that it's 100% impossible. I lean towards it not being true, but crazier things have happened, as they say. If you're watching this year, you are seeing the baseball travel less far than it has than it's traveled in in recent years and we knew going into the 2021 season so prior to last season major league baseball did admit that they deadened the baseball compared to uh where it had been the last few years if you look back especially at 2019 2019 was crazy in terms of home runs. It's hard to evaluate anything in 2020. That was the short 60-game season. But in 2019, home runs were crazy. And then the people started looking into the baseball. Like home run balls were being taken by fans and basically delivered to scientific labs. And they were being cut open, and the materials were being compared. And it was proven true that the baseball in 2019 was very different. Now, Major League Baseball had just recently taken over basically the construction of the baseball by their acquisition of Rawlings and everything. And and baseball tried to, at first baseball, denied, 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 denied. At some point, it got to a point where you couldn't deny it anymore. And they finally said, okay, yeah, well, this happened. Unbeknownst to us, this happened because of a, uh, a change in manufacturing that we weren't aware of, something like that. So then they admitted that they kind of brought back a more standard baseball going into the 2021 season. And before last year, their independent lab found that fly balls that hit over, that were hit over 375 feet would fly one to two feet shorter. This year, there's some data out there showing that some of these balls that are hit, same launch angle, same exit velocity as a couple years ago, are going 15 to 20 feet, uh, the, the, the distance, 15 to 20 feet less. 
That's that's significant. That's a lot of home runs coming off the board. So if you're a conspiracy theorist, you're saying Major League Baseball is completely dead in the baseball. Jeff Passan of ESPN has a little bit of a different take. Uh, all Major League Baseball ballparks now have a humidor. If you remember, the, the Colorado Rockies were the first team to have a humidor like 20 years ago. And then a few years later, the Arizona Diamondbacks added a humidor. Last year, there were 10 Major League Baseball teams that had a humidor, but Major League Baseball kept it lock and key on who the new teams were. So we weren't able to like look at the data of, okay, these were the humidor ballparks and these were the non-humidor ballparks to compare what was going on with the baseball. Major League Baseball would not tell us which ballparks had the humidor, which did not. Well, now all ballparks have the humidor. That's the. I've actually been saying this for years. I when I lived in Colorado, I said this. I, I there, it was everybody should have had it. If you want this to be equal, if you want the ball to play the same way, don't just have the humidor at high altitude ballparks. Have the humidor everywhere, so the baseball is exactly the same. Uh, I'm sure. Look, as more home runs are hit or not hit, these baseballs are going to be looked at. They're going to get back into those same labs. Everything's going to be uh, figured out. But yeah, they're going to. That that's the answer right now. But kind of to be continued on what that's going to look like moving forward. All right, one more break, and when we come back, we will preview the Philly series that begins tomorrow night in Philadelphia. We're back in a moment. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Just a few minutes left in the program around the NL Central. Game's going on right now, or a game going on right now. Pirates and Cubs are playing down at Wrigley. Pirates have a 4-3 lead. I'll be interested to see how the interest to see how that series goes because Pirates came into the Brewers series actually playing some okay baseball. Now, I think the Pirates are a bad team. I am standing by that. Uh, they had just won a series against the Nationals. The Nationals are not exactly uh, a great team. Uh, the Cubs have been better than expected here early on in the season, but they're back down to 500 right now. They're at 6-6. Six and six. So this is a four-game series. I'll be curious to... Uh, the... The series sweep of the Pirates might become more impressive depending on what happens in this Pirates-Cubs series, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, Cardinals and Marlins just got done playing a few minutes ago. Marlins come away with a victory 5-0. Cardinals still took that series. Cardinals 7-4 and to start the year. Offensively, I know they got shut out today. Offensively, they've been pretty good. Albert Pujols has been surprisingly good after he looked like just he was dead in the water with the Angels. He had a nice little resurgence last year with the Dodgers down the stretch, but you didn't know how real that was. And again, I guess you don't know how real anything is in the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, He's back in St. Louis, and I'm sure he's pretty jazzed up on that. But uh, so far, so good when it comes to uh, Albert Pujols. That's a a good offensive club, though, in St. Louis. I keep saying that they are a very, very good run-scoring team. Brewers off today. They open up a series in Philadelphia coming up tomorrow night. The pitching matchup tomorrow. Freddie Peralta will get the start for the crew. Right-hander 0-1, 11.57 ERA. He was not very good his last time out, so he's going to be looking for a big bounce-back performance this uh, tomorrow evening uh, when he makes that start. Again, a reminder for you, tomorrow night's game on 94.5 ESPN. We'll have the Bucks here on WTMJ. So Brewers tomorrow night on 94.5 
five ESPN. Adrian Hauser and Eric Lauer are also expected to get the start. And then the Brewers are going to match up against San Francisco coming up on Monday at home at 510. That was an added game because of the lockout and the schedule changes that had to take place. All right, that's it for uh, this edition of Brewers Weekly. Thanks so much for being uh, tuned in. I will talk to you tomorrow evening immediately following the game for Brewers Extra Innings again tomorrow night on 94.5 ESPN.